Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you this morning. And we just ask again for your help, for the Holy Ghost to come. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts afresh through the preaching of your word. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the liberty that we still have to meet together in this manner. Lord, that we can come in your name. And Lord, that we can open your word and we can preach, Lord, the word of God. We think of those this morning, Lord, that do not have this privilege, Lord, to meet in this manner, to gather around your word, to sing your praises that are in bonds and in prison. And we pray, Lord, that you would give much grace to them. Lord, awaken us to the day in which we're living. Lord, may we be alert. May we be ready. May we be prepared. May we be watchful. Lord, we pray that there would be an awakening amongst your church across this land. And oh God, we're asking for mercy. Lord, would you pour out great mercy upon us, oh God. Oh Father, would you baptize your church afresh with the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we know we cannot by our own strength or our own merits or anything of what we can do, Lord, but it is by the power of the Holy Ghost and that alone that we will stand in this day. And so it is with great confidence we come today in your word, Lord, that you would quicken it and faith would rise in our hearts and above everything that Jesus, his name alone, would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. When thou passed through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. What a promise that is. What a promise that is. But there will be some things that will be burned. We'll not be burned, but there's some things that will be burned. You know, we are living, and I want to again stress the days, I believe we're witnessing the judgment of God on our nation, particularly one area that uh, just this morning I was reading over it and I just seen it afresh, where that the youth of this hour will end up controlling and ruling the nation. That actually is a judgment of God upon the nation. And we'll come to that at some point over the next couple of weeks. But what we see is the rise of this in the name of climate change or whatever else. But it actually is the judgment of God upon our nation when the youth will rule our nation. That's God's judgment. We know we're entering into tremendous days. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21, Jesus said these words, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the world began. Such was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. I want you to hear the words of Jesus again. He said, For then, he's speaking of the last of the last days, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. We have been looking at Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and their refusal to buy into that Babylonian world that was before them. And then Nebuchadnezzar began to increase the temperature of the fire, the fiery furnace. It says, actually in Daniel chapter 3, and we'll turn there in a few moments, but it says that the furnace was exceeding hot. 
And I want to be very clear this morning, I believe that the furnace is going to get exceeding hot in the days in which we're living. The Bible says, I want to repeat it, what Jesus says, He says, there shall be great tribulation. Jesus said these words, such as was not since the beginning of the world, even to this time. No, nor ever shall be. He is speaking of a time of great tribulation on the earth. There will be an unprecedented time of trouble on the earth like has never been before. That's what Jesus is saying. There will be nothing. I want you to hear this. This is important. There will be nothing that will change that because Jesus said that's what way it will be. There is no prayer meeting on this planet that will change the course of God's prophetic calendar. He has said it in His Word. Nothing of what we do will change the prophetic unfolding of the events. No program can alter it. No kingdom, no government, nothing, no rise or no movement will change the unfolding events that has been set forth in God's Word. In the last days, now we know that the last days began 2,000 years ago. They began at Pentecost. But there is the last of the last days, the last generation. There will be a time on this earth like has not been before. That's what Jesus said. He also gave us indications in the Word of God that we can see of those days when there was other civilizations that it came to an end. For example, if you have your Bible, Luke chapter 17 and verse 26. Jesus said these words, Luke 17 and verse 26. He said, as it was in the days of Noah. So he points back to another generation that was a last generation in that hour. As it was in the days of Noah, he then says, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. So then he gives us an indicator or a sign that we can look at in the Word of God. As it was in those days, so shall it be. So we know that there are things that we can look at and indicators that will indicate to us as the church of the days that we've come to. In verse 28 of the same chapter, he says, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. This was the last generation in Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Verse 30 then he says, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So it's very important that we understand and we pray for God to move by a Spirit. That is a right prayer because what we're praying is it's not willing that anyone should perish, that everyone would come to salvation and repentance. And we're praying for the church of Jesus Christ to be ready, to be filled with the Spirit, to be in to be encouraged, to be watchful, all those warnings of Scripture, to be revived for the coming of the Lord. So it's so important that we pray that. But we will not change the course of what God has set forth in His Word and the prophetic revelation in these last days. Nothing 
of what we do is going to change those words that have been set forth in God's Word. His Word has settled. It is above His name. Every word that He has said, and Brent mentioned it this morning, he mentioned it to me on the way out also, but every word that He has said in His Word will come to pass. Everything that's in His Word will come to pass. There will be nothing that will fail. In Ezekiel chapter 12 and verse 25, it says these words, For I am the Lord, I will speak. And the word that I shall speak shall, listen to what it says, shall come to pass. Do you hear that this morning? Every word that, how do we know what He has said? He has given us a Bible. The God's holy and precious Word. And so He says, I'm the Lord. I will speak and the word that I shall speak shall come to pass. It shall be no more prolonged for in your days, speaking of Israel at this time, O rebellious house, will I say the word and will perform it, saith the Lord God. Everything of what God has said, this is both a book of prophecy and it's a book of promise. And everything of what God has said in His word, He will perform. He will bring it to pass. You see, in the day of Ezekiel or Jeremiah, for example, as the word was being brought forth of what was going to happen and God's people were going to be brought into captivity and the judgment of God was going to come and these prophets were raised up. And I believe that there is a prophetic voice across the nations at this time. Right across the globe, there is a prophetic voice that is raised up to bring that trumpet sound and that warning of the days in which we're in. But what happened on the most part of all of that, they did not believe what the prophets were saying. Actually, they raised up their own prophets to tell them what they wanted to hear. That everything's going to be okay. That everything's going to be fine. Um, I hear people talk about when you mention end times and the unfolding of end times saying, oh, that's Hollywood Christianity. You don't need to worry about that. Everything's going to be fine. We just need to carry on as we've always carried on. We're going to get through all of this. And in a few months' time, everything's going to be back to normal. You'll get your holiday in Tormelinus in a few months' time. Don't be panicking. Everything's going to be well again. I want to tell you, friends, things are changing rapidly. Things are changing rapidly. And the reason they are changing is not because not because of the power of Satan. It's because God has set forth in His Word and those words are being brought to pass because He has said, I will speak and the word that I shall speak, it shall come to pass. So everything that you read in the Word of God will be fulfilled. Many of the prophecies have been fulfilled and there are some still to be fulfilled, but I would put it to you that the majority of them are already fulfilled. We're entering into the last fulfillment of Scripture, but every word shall come to pass. And so like in Ezekiel's day or Jeremiah's day, as you know, many would reject the Word of God. Even amongst the people of God, they would reject what God was saying. They would reject the messenger. They would reject the prophet. They would say, what he's saying is not true. This, this is all Hollywood stuff. We're, we're going to be fine. Well, the Bible tells us, Jesus said concerning the last of the last days, I want to just repeat it again, for then shall be great tribulation, 
such as was not since the beginning of the world, even to this time, no, nor ever shall be. That's what Jesus said. Every word that He has spoken will be fulfilled. Not only the negative, I suppose, if you say, but and also the good. Solomon said, and Brent quoted it this morning, in 1 Kings chapter 8, if you would turn over to it in verse 56, because it's important that we see it in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 56. This is a book of prophecy, and it's a book of promise. It's God's Word. In 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 56, listen to the words, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto His people Israel according to all that He has promised. There has not failed, there has not failed one word of all His good promise. Would you say amen if you know that's true? Which He promised by the hand of Moses His servant. The Lord our God be with us as He was with our fathers. Let Him not leave us nor forsake us. There is not one word, not one word, not one word of this book that's going to fail. Nothing. I tell you, friends, hold on to this word. Hold on to this word. Above everything else, hold tight to the Word of God. Hold firm to the promises of God. Do not turn to the left or to the right or to the opinion of men. And anything that any man says, including what I say, make sure you find it here. Hold on to the promises of God. We're standing on the promises that cannot fail. We're holding to His Word. Hold on to the promises of God. So everything is going to be fulfilled and His Word shall not fail. And the great question that Jesus actually asked of the last, of the last generation, this is important, the question He asked of the last, of the last generation, we are in the last days, and people would say, but we've always been in the last days. That is very true. Biblically, that is sound, that is right. But we are in the last of the last days. There will be a last generation. There will be a final time. There will be a final generation. I can't say for sure that this is it, but I know and I sense that we're ever coming closer to the last of the last. One day Christ will come. One day He will come. This same Jesus, as you see, go will come in like manner. He's coming again in the clouds. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, praise the Lord. That's exciting for us. But Jesus asked the question of the last of the last generation in Luke chapter 18 and verse 8. He asked the question, and this is what He says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? Jesus asked that question of the last of the last generation. And I believe that's the question that we need to ask, the question that he asked. Will he find faith in your heart? Faith in the Word of God? Faith in Jesus? Simply Him, that you're looking to Christ, that He is your all, that Christ is your life when He shall appear. He is your life. He is your everything. That is what you're waiting for. That's what you live for. That in your heart there's a faith in God. You believe in God. He is your all. 
Jesus is saying, shall he find faith on the earth? That's why I believe that the final church in the book of Revelation, and we looked at this last week, if you turn over to it, I just want us to read it again. The final church in the book of Revelation, I believe it ties in with the question that the Lord asks. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 18. Here then, He comes to the final church. That's the church of the Laodiceans that had been washed into the materialism of that world. And they had many things, but they were blind, naked, and so forth. And they didn't even know their spiritual condition. And the Lord comes. And He says in verse 18 in Revelation 3, I counsel thee to buy of me, buy of me gold that's tried in the fire. That's a faith that thou might be rich and white raiment that thou mayst be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness does not appear. And anoint thy eyes with eyesalve that they may see. I'll give you vision. I'll give you faith. I'll give you hope. I'll give you peace. I'll give you the purposes of God. But you need this gold that I have. My faith in your heart. He asked the question, shall he find faith on the earth? The final church is the question of true faith that biblical faith in Christ. Everything else is sinking sand, but it's on Christ, the solid rock that I stand. That's a faith in God. Everything else is sinking and being destroyed, but we're planted on this Christ. Faith of God in our hearts. There's a faith in the fire as we looked at. And the promise is when you walk through the fire, we read it this morning, thou shalt not be burned. But there's some things that need to be burned in the fire as the temperature begins to increase. You know the temperature's increasing. Things that have held us or things that have bound us. The fire, what you're finding out actually in this time and in this season, yes, there's a falling away. Yes, there's an apostasy. Yes, there's many that are departing from the ancient ways, the old ways. But also what you're finding in amongst the church of Jesus Christ is there are people that are starting to get right with God. People don't want to play church anymore. People don't want to fool around with the things of God. There's a fire that has come now and people are starting to waken up. They see the day they're in. They see the day approaching and they don't want to go through the motions of religion. Religion's not going to keep us. It's not going to satisfy us. Church attendance isn't going to do it. That's a good thing. But we know we need to get close to the Lord. We know we need to get into a, a new place with Him. We know we need to get things sorted. We need to sort our houses out. We know it. the day is coming and so there is also a people as much as there is a falling away because the Bible says there will be a departure from the faith. So there will be a departure from the faith. There's nothing of what we can pray that will change that. Why? Because the Bible says there will be a falling away. But there's also a stirring in the remnant of God's people that are saying, I want to get into a new place with God. I want to get a fresh touch of God in my heart. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to walk this life for Jesus. I want to stand for Jesus in the last days. Not in my strength, but in that intimacy with Him and walk with Him and love Him and enjoy the company with Jesus and the fellowship of God's people around the table and sing about the blood and thank God that the soul has been redeemed. Thank God I'm saved. Come back to the simplicity of the truth of God's Word this morning as we sang the precious songs of Zion. Oh, thank God I'm saved. Thank God I'm saved from this old world of sin. 
Thank God He's redeemed my soul. Thank God my name's in heaven this morning. Thank God I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Praise God this morning I'm redeemed. And we're getting into a new place with God. A freshness, a thankfulness, that appreciation that we were souls that were bound for a lost sinner's hell. God has redeemed us by His great mercy and He's washed us in His blood and He's clothed us with His righteousness and He's put a ring on our finger and shoes on our feet and we're walking the King's Highway and we're going home. And so there's a stirring amongst the people of God. I want to get into a new place with God. The fire's increasing, but what we're starting to see is the fire's beginning to burn some things away. Some things that were in our lives that we were comfortable with, that we lived with, that we carried on and we ticked the box, of course, and we done the things and we got saved and the date and the hour and the moment and the time. And some, somewhere along the line, we've just become familiar with all of that. But now the fire's increasing. We're aware that something's happening in the world around us. We maybe can't put it all into all the right boxes, but in our spirits, we know we've entered into a new time in history. And then there's something of that fire that's starting to burn some things up. The old things that once restricted us in our walk with the Lord, that we were comfortable with. We had those things that bind us. Those things that we just live with. And now the Holy Ghost is beginning to work in our hearts and saying, listen, time has come. We need to get these things right. We're about to meet the Lord. We're going to see Him face to face. Anyone know that? We'll see Him face to face. We'll look into those eyes. We'll see this Christ that's come. One day we'll stand before Him and we'll see Him as He is. That's amazing that our faith gives way to sight and suddenly we'll behold the Lamb of God. And so things begin. We get unsettled because the Holy Ghost is saying it's time. He begins to draw us from where we are. He begins to take us out of our comfort zones and what we're familiar with. He begins to draw us closer and as the fire increases, we don't want those things at once. We were comfortable with those things that bind us. There's a fire that's come and faith will come from a people who won't buy. By the grace of God, they stand. They will obey God rather than obey men. That's where we're going to as a nation, a people that will obey God rather than obey man. That's really where it's coming to quickly. And they have a revelation, of course, of this man, Jesus, the fourth man. If you turn over into Daniel chapter 3, I want to read just a few verses there. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 19, and we look at this as a parallel to the day in which I believe that we are now living in. Daniel 3 verse 19. It says, Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. We looked at this last week and we've seen the rise in Revelation chapter 13 of the two beasts from the sea and from the land. And so we see this fury that's rising up all around us. There's a fury. We see the form of the visage was changed. Daniel 3.19 against Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And there's a change that has taken place against God's people. And therefore he speak and he commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. They wanted to increase the heat against those that were the followers of the Lord. And he commanded them, look what he says, and he commanded the most mighty men 
that were in the army of Nebuchadnezzar to bind Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and to cast them into the fiery furnace, the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hose, and their hats, their garments were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, the furnace was exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, I mean, it is awesome. The mighty men of Nebuchadnezzar's army, as they even brought these men to that fire, they were caught up and burned themselves. The heat was so fierce. Then Nebuchadnezzar, verse 24, the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake. Sorry, these men, Shadrach, verse 23, Meshach, Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. They're, they're, they're casting in. They were bound by the mighty men of Nebuchadnezzar's army. But when they were cast into the midst of the fire bound, verse 24 says, the king was astonished. He rose up in haste and spake and said to the counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the, into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, true, O king. And he said, lo, I see four men. And then it says, and they were loose. I know we know it, we've heard it from Nehemiah, but here's men that were bound by the mighty men of Nebuchadnezzar's army and they're cast into the fire that was increased sevenfold. And when these men refused to buy, I tell you, one of the great things that's about to happen in the church is a great revelation of Jesus. You know, if anything that you desire to know in this world, make it your pursuit to have a revelation of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may not know many other things, but if you have a revelation of Jesus, it's going to take you all the way home to glory. Because one day that's who we'll meet. That's who we'll see. And I want to know him, Paul, at the end of it all with his great knowledge and his insight and the inspiration and, and the epistles that he penned that we have today. And the end of it all, he says that I might know him. That was his theology. I wanted to know Jesus. The one who saved me on that road to Damascus. The one that transformed my life forever. I want to know him. Everything else is done. That's what he said. And so we see here that these men are loose walking in the midst of the fire with a fourth man, and they have no hurt. What do we read this morning when you pass through the fire? You'll not be burned. That's a promise. How many people believe the promises of God? There's no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Jesus was in the fire with them. The pre-incarnate Christ was right there with Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the midst of the fire. You note there that there was two things. First of all, the heat was turned up sevenfold. And I believe we covered that to some extent last week in the Revelation chapter 13 of the rise of the Antichrist system that we are seeing go beyond what you just see on the surface. I'm more convinced than ever, and especially even in the week that's passed, and what we're seeing, that we are witnessing the rise of the Antichrist system. We see it, but verse 20 says, they commanded the most mighty men that were in this army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I want you to listen carefully, brothers and sisters, this morning. 
Before we get to the fourth man, I don't know whether we'll get there this morning, but I really feel this is off the Lord. We're come to a time as the heat is now increasing, that there are things you'll not be burned, but there are things that God wants to burn up in our lives. There's things in your lives God wants to burn up, and the fire is going to do that. That word to bind simply means to put in fetters. I want to be sure to let you know this morning that the enemy cannot defeat the church of Jesus Christ. Thank God Jesus will build this church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against him. He cannot defeat a child of God. If Christ is in you, the hope of glory, the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Praise the Lord. We are more than conquerors. He cannot conquer us. He cannot defeat us because we have Jesus living in our hearts by faith. Praise God. No matter how heat, how hot it gets, thank God this morning, we are overcomers in Christ. He is in us. The hope of glory. This word to bind simply means to put fetters or to restrict someone's liberty. Restrictions on your life. In Exodus chapter 1, you'll remember we touched on it last week that it says, therefore, therefore did they set over them taskmasters to afflict them. Taskmasters to afflict them. The reason that they were put over them was to hinder them or to restrict them in their growth in the Lord. In a physical way, they were multiplying and God wants us to grow. You hear me, brothers? And God wants us to grow in the Lord. He wants us to mature in Christ. He wants us to grow in the things of God. He wants us to mature in the Word of God. He doesn't want us to leave us as babes. Paul pleads with the church at Corinth and says, I, I desire to give you meat. I know people think that's different things, but he wants us to come on to a new place with him, to experience God in a new way, in a deeper way, to really get to know the Lord. That happens when you sit down yourself and you spend time in the Word of God, and you spend time with God, and allow Him to speak to you. It doesn't happen just by running through the whole week and then hoping to get a shot in the arm on a Sunday morning. we got to get that time with the Lord. He wants us to go beyond the, the milk and go into something of the meat, something stronger. It's going to make you strong. It's going to build you up in your most holy faith. That takes time in God's Word. It takes time spending it with the Lord. We need to spend time with Jesus. And so here we see that there's, there's this binding, these fetters that come. The taskmasters were set over them. They could not defeat them. They will not defeat the church of Jesus Christ. But there's another tactic involved in this. It's some way or somehow to try and hinder you, to try and restrict you, from going on in the Lord. I tell you, the devil will keep you busy. He'll keep you away from the things that really matter. We need to put the priorities right. What does the Bible say? These are the basics, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Is that what the Bible says? We sing that song, seek first the kingdom of God. And so the, the Word of God is true. Trust not in your own understanding. and all your ways acknowledge Him. What does He do? He directs our paths. Don't lean on your own understanding or your own effort. It's going to fail. How many people know that? How many times have I failed because I trusted in my own understanding? Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He directs your path. It's simple. Everyone understand that. 
And yet so often we take the word, but we don't apply the word. So we carry on week after week and we're going through the same thing, but we're not growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we're coming into a day that the fire is going to start burning up all the things that restrict us. We're going to know how we got a personal, individual faith in Jesus Christ. Not anyone else's faith, not your husband's faith, not your wife's faith, not the preacher's faith. Have you got a faith? Are you walking with Jesus? Are you living for the Lord? Do you walk with Him? Do you talk with Him? Do you spend time with Him? The fire is going to increase and burn off a lot of restrictions that are in our lives. God's going to stir our hearts. And so we read then that these men, by the mighty men, were bound. I want to stop for a moment, <coughs> excuse me, and speak to some of you this morning that have these bonds, things that are in your life that you know by the Holy Ghost that are restricting you and going on with God. There's people here that feel restricted. I'm not talking about what the government restrictions are. I'm not talking about the outward. I'm talking about things in your life. This is important. You're concerned about them. Thank God you are. Thank God you are. It's great when the Holy Ghost puts His finger on something and you're concerned. I, I think that's a great thing. When the Holy Ghost says, now we're going to deal with this. I tell you, friends, it's wonderful. When He deals with us, because He comes not to condemn us, He comes to set us free. He comes to minister His, what were we reading this morning? His grace into our hearts and into our lives. So when He comes in His grace, I love the grace of God. But when He comes in His grace, what He comes to do is, I want to minister into your life, but I want to release you from the things that are restricting you. The things that are in your life that are called bonds. And now the heat is starting to increase in the world and you feel the temperature, the spiritual temperature is beginning to rise. And so God's saying, it's the fire that's going to burn up all the dross. It's going to break the bonds in your life that have restricted. And you know them. See, I'm speaking this morning to those who already know that this is a word for them. Because God the Holy Spirit's already been speaking to you. You're unsettled in your heart with the things that are in your life. And you're going, I want to be free from this. I don't want to walk this way. I want to go into a deeper place with God. I want to get closer to Him. But I want these things. And you know what they are. I don't even have to mention them because the Holy Ghost will mention them. He will show them to you. Because He comes to minister to you His grace in your life. And he says, I want to free you to bring you into a new... Does anyone desire to go into a new place with God? That's a great thing to have a hunger to get into a new place with the Lord. I want to get into a new place with God. I mean, it's, we're only in the surface of a vast ocean of the fullness of Christ. We've only put our little toe in the knowledge and the fullness of God in Christ. I want to know Him more. That should be the ache of our hearts to know Christ. So the Holy Ghost begins to date it. Things in your life that have restricted you and going on with God, they cause you great concern because you know that that thing or that bond, whatever it may be, whatever it may be, has the ability as a believer to restrict your liberty. You know there's a liberty. There's something more in God. I want something more in God. 
I mean, I know there's more. Friends, there's rivers to swim in. There's deeper places with God. You can go further. You can go deeper. Don't let anyone tell you any different. You can go more. You can have as much of Him as you want. But something of us has to go in order to go deeper. You see, my starting point for all of this is always the Word of God. Always this book. If you turn over into John chapter 8, and this is a verse that I love, I often say it, and you know it very well as also, but in John chapter 8 and verse 36, Jesus said these words, If the Son therefore shall make you free, what does He say? Ye shall be free indeed. That's the Word of God. If the Son, Jesus, shall make you free, praise God, you're free indeed. That word simply means to be unrestrained. That's what that word freedom means. To be unrestrained. I'm not talking about just jumping from post to post. I'm talking about a liberty in your spirit, that you're free in your heart, you're free in your spirit to worship the Lord. Anything that affects your spiritual man and restricting it is in contradiction then to the Word of God. Because the Bible says if the Son makes you free, what are you? You're free indeed. But you know your desire if you're a Christian is you want to be free indeed. You are free indeed, but you want to be free indeed. Isn't that right? Isn't that your to walk in the liberty that Christ has made us free? Bible says, and here's the Word of God again. Remember, His promises are true. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17, if you turn over to it to read these verses, because this is our starting point. Remember, it's not a denomination. It's not a Pentecostal thing. not a Methodist thing. This is God's truth. The Son makes you free. You'll be free indeed. And 2 Corinthians 3, 17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, what is there? There's liberty. So when He wants to minister His grace, and I didn't know if we were going to sing that song this morning, but when He wants to minister His grace, He wants to minister His liberty and His freedom that there is in the Spirit. He wants to break all the restrictions that are in our lives and mindsets and things and perhaps stuff in our lives that maybe nobody else knows about, but you know they're a restriction to enter into the fullness of God and the liberty that there is in the Spirit of God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So when He's here, what He wants to minister to us is that liberty in the Spirit. He wants all bondage to go. You know that little chorus? Let all bondage go and let deliverance flow. That's the Spirit of God ministering the victory that there is in Christ into our hearts and into our lives. He wants us to live in the victory because that's what He's purchased for us in Calvary. Victory! Victory is mine! And so the ministry of the Holy Ghost is to bring us into a liberty, but it is Satan that would seek to nullify the promises of God. What we have just read. What we have just read. If the Son shall make you free, what does it say? Say it again. You're free indeed. The Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Does anyone believe that? Would you say amen if you believe it? Would you shout hallelujah if you believe it? Praise the Lord. It's the truth, isn't it? It's God's Word. Do we believe what we've just read? I mean, do we really believe what we've just read this morning? Where where the Spirit of the Lord is, He is here. 
But where He is, then there is liberty. There's no restrictions in the Spirit. God moves by the Holy Ghost. And if a son makes you free, praise the Lord, you're free indeed. Then the restrictions in some lives, the Holy Ghost is revealing because the heat's rising. The heat's rising. And now you're not content. It's a wonderful thing, friends. Don't pull away from the Lord. It's a wonderful thing because now you're not content with that old restriction. Or you'd have walked with it for maybe 10 or 15 or 20 years or 40 years or 50 years. But now, because you know you're coming into a different time and you see the signs of the age and the temperature starting to rise and the Holy Ghost is starting to probe your sin, I don't want to walk this way anymore. I don't want to be familiar with this restriction anymore. Actually, the fire is going to burn that restriction. But it is the devil's purpose in what we've just read to nullify the promises of God, what we've read, through unbelief. That people actually sit in church and hear the Word of God proclaimed and preached and even read these verses and maybe get a wee card and the verses on it and they say, that's lovely. And they put it on their mantelpiece and they read the wee verse and it's so beautifully done. Thank God for all of that. But the reality of that verse never gets into their heart and they live in the victory of the Word of God. They maybe know it because they've recited it and they've quoted, but they never enter into the fullness of that word. So the devil wants to nullify the promises of God through unbelief. So we read it, we say it, we quote it, but then we leave with a mental understanding or being able to repeat the word, but we don't live in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so we're entering into a day where it will not just be something of the head. It's going to be something of the heart. And not only of the heart, a reality. God wants you to walk in the victory. The freedom that there is in Jesus Christ. What an answer we have to the world. We can walk in the victory and the freedom in Jesus. They can do what they want, but we can live for God. Nikki read this to me the other day. She knows I love this man. And she read it out of a book she was coming across. And this is what it says. Remember, the devil will seek to nullify the promises of God through unbelief. Vance Havner graphically recounts his struggle. What he says, I started out back in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. I did not know much. I have not learned a lot since. But I knew precious little in those days. However, I believed the Bible. I just took it and read it as it came. I started in Genesis and was having a great time, taking the promises right and left, just like a boy picking apples of a tree in an orchard. But one day I was met by one of these Bible scholars and was told that the promises were not for me. They were for the Jew. Well, that discouraged me a little bit, but I said, I believe I will give it another try. So I moved over to the New Testament and started down through Matthew claiming promises right and left. And again, I was interrupted and duly notified that these promises were all for the kingdom age and not for me. I'd never heard of the kingdom age before, but since those things were not for me, I did not want to take them. So I moved over into the book of Acts of the Apostles and was daring to claim some, not all of the blessings that flowed from Pentecost. Once again, I was interrupted and told that it was a transitional period that we were not depressed these promises too literally. Well, that left me by and by with nothing but the epistles and revelation. Most of the revelation was for the future, 
and by the time I made allowances between groups and marginal references and tried to look at the Bible through the spectacles of a dozen disagreeing expositors, bless your heart, I was afraid to put down my foot on any verse for fear some scholar would come along like a policeman and order me off all private property and tell me this verse is not for you. Get going, brother, somewhere else. All the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ. Finally, I said, Lord, I've heard of a man without a country, but if this thing keeps up, I'm going to be a preacher without a Bible. If you will give me a verse I can stand on, I will have it. I will have to have it in a hurry because they're just about to take it away from me. And I got down to that one. Let God be true, but every man a liar. And I've been standing on that one ever since. Brother, I tell you, I believe it. It's all for me, and I enjoy it. It's all for me, and I enjoy it. I'm going to tell you, friends, it's all for you, and enjoy it. Take the Word of God as you read it, and it's written for you, and believe it. It is to nullify the promises through unbelief. The increasing temperature is having a fact on many lives to move from having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. We'll say that again because we have a lot of this. A form of godliness but denying the power thereof. So the temperature is beginning to increase all around us. A desire to be free, to get serious, to get right with to get serious with God. And now God the Holy Ghost is beginning to work in hearts and individuals. He is, friends. I know He is. It's wonderful when the Holy Ghost is working. He's beginning to work in the hearts. He's beginning to work in the lives. He's beginning to work in the individuals. The things that we were comfortable with, you know when the Bible says, let us run the race, let us lay aside every weight, and then it says, and the sin. So there are things it's not necessarily all sinful stuff. It just can be something that's a weight in your life. You understand what I'm saying? Every believer will know what I'm saying because it's written for you and it's written for me. And so there's things in our lives, there's weights, there's sins that so easily beset us, but they, they make us uncomfortable. It just could be a weight. It may not be a sin, but it just could be a weight. And now the temperature's beginning to rise. And you know when you're running for God, running for Him, running the race because we're to run the race with patience and we're to look on the, the author of our faith, that is Jesus. We're looking to Him, but now we're knowing that there's some things in our lives. I need to get that sorted. I can't run with this anymore. This actually is a restriction on me. But God the Holy Spirit is bringing that to the surface. Why? Not because He wants to point you out or condemn you, but because He wants you to be free so that you can run Anybody want to run? To run the race? To finish the course? You see, we believe that we're in the last of the last generations. We believe that, so we know that that day is very near. So what I want to say this morning is, I want to run this race! But the restrictions need to be burnt up. And they're burnt up where? They're burnt up in the fire. But could I encourage you? When you pass through the fire, you're not going to be burnt. He doesn't burn you, but He burns the things in our lives that have been restricting us. You see, we can say this morning, 
Those weights, the sins, can be laid aside as the fire comes because we want to be free. Praise God, He breaks the power of cancel sin. He sets the prisoner free. But it's not always the enemy that seeks to restrict us. But sometimes it's ourselves. We actually restrict ourselves. Anyone, honestly, it's not complicated. It might sound complicated, but we restrict ourselves. It's not always the devil. But we actually restrict ourselves. We're always looking inward rather than when we're told we're to look upward. We're to look to Him. He's the one that's perfect, but we're always looking in. And God doesn't want us to look in. He wants us to look up. And then when we look in, what do we do? Oh, I'll never, I'll never make it. I'm going to tell you, friend, none of us will make it, but if we keep looking to Jesus and by the power of the Holy Ghost, every one of us are going to make it because it's not our faith, it's His faith. And so the restrictions, you know, it was actually, Samson was causing havoc amongst the Philistines. That was the enemy, the Philistines. That's the enemy. He was causing havoc. At one point, you know the story in Judges 15. You don't need to turn to it, but just very quickly, there was 300 foxes and he took the firebrands and he, and he turned tail to tail and he put the firebrand in the midst of the tails and he let 300 foxes off into the, into the enemy's camp and they burned up all his crops. Spurn of the Lord was upon him. He's destroying the enemy. He wrecked havoc in the enemy's camp. Wouldn't it be wonderful that the church of Jesus Christ through the power of the gospel just wrecked havoc? Wrecked havoc in the enemy's kingdom. Those kids are wrecking havoc, running about all over this climate change stuff. It's time the church stood up and they wrecked havoc in prayer and in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know when the Philistines came to get him, it tells us the Philistines went up, pitched to Judah, spread themselves in Leah. And the men of Judah said, why are you come up against us? Samson's own brothers, his own brethren, why have you come up against us? Why has that enemy come against us? And they said, we have come to bind Samson. We have come up to do him as he's done to us. And know what happened? They sent 3,000 men, brothers of Samson, to go to Samson, and they bound Samson. It was actually his own people that bound him. And friends, church tradition binds us. The tradition of man binds us holds us in a place that we're not free. We have preconceived ideas and traditions and things that we think in our lives and in our hearts and in our church that that's the way we should be restricted. I want to tell you, friends, God wants to burn up all those restrictions because they're dead. They're from the pit. They're religious. God wants to move us into a place of victory. And so often it's not just that we have our own restrictions or it's the enemy, but often we find we're our, have you ever heard this saying, we're our own worst enemies? You come home from church and you get into the house again, oh, no, I know you've never done that. Oh, I can't live this. I'm not doing this anymore. And we get down and we give all this stuff and we talk all that death over us instead of aligning our lives to the Word of God. And we go home and can't do it. I'm going to tell you, friends, you can't do it. But I tell you, He can do it in you and He can do it through you. And so we go home, we go through all the rigmarole and we talk ourselves into death again and we put the restrictions on ourselves. 
because we're not aligning ourselves with the Word of God. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It's more than a plaque on your wall. It's more than the modern church, a tattoo on your arm. God help us if that's what makes it. You shouldn't mark our bodies anyway. But friends, it's the living reality of Christ in us. The hope of glory. And so restrictions are going to be burnt. I'm excited about this. But one thing will never be bound. Paul said this, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even on the bonds. He said, but the Word of God is never bound. See, when you take a hold of the promises of God by faith, that is the liberating power of God in your life. And that breaks every bond. We're entering into a time, I'm coming to a close, we're entering into a time where the furnace is going to be exceeding hot. But I tell you, friends, it's exciting for the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm excited. You see it, and I just go, this is exciting. I don't know what, I don't know what floats your boat, is not what they say, or makes you excited, but I'm going to tell you something. What makes me excited is the days that we're living in. The days the prophets have prophesied of, the days that the saints look toward, the days that they long to see, and now we're entering into them, we're seeing them. I think that's exciting. I'm, it's not a case of I just want trouble, it's a case of I'm excited about the things of God. But I want to tell you something, the bonds are going to be burned in the fire. When Nebuchadnezzar looked into that fire, he was astonished. He rose up in haste and he said to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? Are you sure? Was it not three? Was it not three? And the counselors and all the great men and the way of wisdom of that Babylonian, and they're looking in. Was there not three? Hey, was there not three in there? They said, oh, king, that's very true. There was three. The king says, but I see four. And praise God, they're all loosed. Because if the sun makes you free, you're free indeed. The fire burns up the restrictions. And I can see this happening, friends. I can see people getting right with God, hungry for God. They want the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Why do they want that? Let me tell you, don't let any Bible scholar Anyone on the YouTube or anyone, I tell you, you get a million doctrines on the YouTube, you'll hear it all. Why they don't believe this anymore? But don't. Here's another ancient landmark. We'll throw that one out because someone's got a new revelation. I believe the Bible. When I read it, I believe it's for me. It's for me. But friends, it's for you as well. Take it as it is and apply it to your heart and let faith come into your life. Because there's four men. Do you know what he said? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you right to the end. What a promise. I believe that promise is for me. Is it for you? Would you say amen if it's for you? Do you actually believe it? I believe the promise is for me. He'll never leave me. But I believe that he's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. And you know the greatest restrictions that have been put on is this promise that ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The church and the theologians of all the ages have done everything they can 
to put a restriction on this. But I want to tell you, friends, in this day, more than ever before, we need to take God at His Word and we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Men loosed. Four men loosed. Freedom in Christ. Victory in Jesus. Living a life for the Lord. For the joy of the Lord in your heart. Waking up in the morning with the purposes of God. Another day to serve Jesus. You might have put your shoes on this morning, but somebody else could take them off tonight. You might lay your head in the pillow tonight and will wake in the brightness of His glory as He bursts through the clouds. And you don't want to say, Oh God, why? I want all the restrictions to go and I want to live for Jesus. Have you a desire? Just believe this is off the Lord. Just give me these few words to say. Have you a desire? The Lord's dealing with you. The Lord's speaking to your heart. Have you a desire to be free? A desire to be free. You know, if you don't have a desire to be free, we, we can do a hundred sermons and nothing will, nothing will happen. You don't have a desire. But if you have a desire to be free, live for God. Praise the Lord for that desire. Do you want to know why? Because the Holy Ghost put that desire there. That's wonderful. See, to have the desire. Number two, second question when I ask you, if you've got a desire, second question I want to say to you this morning is, do you believe, do you believe the Word of God? You believe the Bible. Believe the Bible. Imagine having to say it in church today. Do you believe the Bible? Oh, but do you have to say it? Do you bring every thought and every desire into alignment to God's Word? That's so important. So many things of what we say are extra-biblical thoughts, and we actually believe them. But they're actually an offense to a holy God because they're not in line with His Word. Do you believe the Word of God? I believe the Bible. But can you see in your own life then that you've been, or an area of your life, that you haven't been believing God? because you've had this restriction or this thing or whatever it is, or a weight or an attitude or an unforgiveness, some sin. Are you willing to say, Lord, forgive me this morning for my own belief? And thirdly, in that great song, he wants you to be able to receive People have a hard job receiving. Receiving. How do I receive this? By faith, with an open heart, with true repentance. Repentance is a powerful thing that is left just for the person who just first gets saved. This is another one that winged out the window that Christians don't have to repent. It's nonsense. Are you willing to repent? And receive the victory there is in Jesus. That all the bondage and the chains and the restrictions would go. And you'd be flooded with the Spirit of God to live for Him. Oh God, let all bondage go and let deliverance flow. If you can say, <clears throat> it's maybe just not four things, I'm not trying to say that, it's not an A, B, C, D. But if you can just say in your heart, Tim, I can identify with that. The Lord's speaking to me this morning. I want to be free.
I believe the Bible. God, to forgive me for my own belief. And I want to receive the victory this morning. That You can say that in your heart. Friends, this morning, I believe genuinely between you and God that God wants to meet with you and break every restriction. Break every restriction in your life. Is he able? Is he able this morning? Then let him have his way. Let him minister his grace. Let's stand together. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We'll sing that last verse again just this morning that we were singing this morning for him to minister his grace into our hearts and into our lives afresh. There's no work too hard for him. Praise the Lord. We just allow the Spirit of God to move for a time here in this place. Just believe the Bible, friends. Just believe the Word of God this morning. Be still for the power of the Lord. This morning, if you want to just give your life afresh to the Lord, listen to me, it's very important, I believe. This is important. If you want to give your life just afresh to the Lord this morning, just say, Lord, I want to live for you. I want the all restrictions to be gone. I want to believe you the word this morning. Forgive me, Lord. I want to be filled. Then I just encourage you. Find that place with the Lord. Find that place at your chair. Get on your knees or come. Kneel at the front here. We shouldn't be too proud not to kneel before the Lord. I know we kneel in our house, but it's not it's not important about what people think. It's just about your heart. Just to get before the Lord. Lord, we need you this morning. So if you need prayer, you can come. We'll pray with you. There's an area in your life that you know you need prayer for. We can pray with you. There's power in prayer. Power in prayer for people praying for you. You just come this morning. But we're going to allow the Lord to minister. Minister His grace into our lives this morning. Be still for the power of the Lord. Amen.